0: Good, good. Praise the Lord. Well, did you bring your Bibles? Are you ready this morning? Come on, let's make our declaration. Are you ready? This is my Bible, I live by its truth, I walk in its light, I rest in its promises, I'm empowered by its love, I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today for your grace, your mercy, your truth that is alive, active, and working in us. Holy Spirit, we respect you and we respond to you as the Spirit of truth, so we... uh, Submit to your leading, your guiding, your direction for our lives. We yield to you as our teacher to bring clarity, insight, and understanding to our minds. In Jesus' name. And somebody said... Amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, let me give you one more quick, uh, just little uh, announcement shot out here. If you or a family member, anyone in your family has ever served in the armed forces and you have a photo of them and a little uh, blurb on, on what they did, we want to put together a, a slideshow video uh, on November 8th to honor uh, all of our veterans for Veterans Day. Amen. So, if you could submit that to the office, you can send it to info at Solid Rock Face. Huh? It's, it's going to Eli. Just go to Eli, E L I, real tough, E L I at Solid Face and uh, we're going to put together a slideshow. But we'd like to do that on November eighth in honor of all of our veterans. Amen. Praise the Lord. So we'll, uh, you'll also be in the email blast that gets out. And also, if, we don't, if you're not getting our weekly email updates in that, then let us know. Put your email on a connect card. Get it to the welcome center out there so we can get you connected with us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this morning, we're going to dive into an area because of the season we are in. I feel it's important that we take some time this morning to talk about God and politics. And a lot of churches will say, well, we just don't approach that subject. I'm kind of like this, do your people live in the world? So the the challenge that we have is we think we're supposed to separate the sacred from the secular. But you don't live your life in two separate categories. You live your life as a believer. I'm not a secular person, then on Sunday I come and all of a sudden I'm sacred. No, 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 there, there's no separating the two. So we have to live our life, and then we have to know how to conduct our life. So we want to walk to the world. We want to give you some clarity, some understanding. How many know there are a lot of hot button issues right now? And so we're not here to, to poke at hot button issues, we're not here to champion our favorite cause. We want to have a foundation of truth are doing all right so that's my goal as your pastor and then people say well pastor shouldn't speak to this well besides being a pastor I'm also a citizen of the United States and so I also have a right to speak as a citizen and I always figure it like this I watch certain candidates go to certain churches and give political speeches all the time so I figure if, if Hillary can do it I can do it amen so I just I, I, I'll try to restrain myself praise the Lord So I believe that I have an obligation and a right as a pastor to teach and to help educate and inform God's people to the best of my ability to help and to aid us to make wise decisions. If you have your Bibles, open up to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. I want to read a few verses to you and then we'll get into the heart of this this morning. Isaiah 55, beginning in verse 6, says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. How many know that that declares we may not always have that option? Okay. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let them turn to the Lord. And he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways, says the Lord. Amen. So wisdom would be to learn his ways. Amen. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now also turn with me to Isaiah, I mean to Psalms 33. So as you turn there, I just want to read a a few thoughts to you uh, just from the opening of your outline there. And... uh, that, let me just say this, when it comes to politics and doing different things, uh, as people, most of us have no problem complaining. Right. Something we don't like, see, something we disagree with. We have no problem, uh, uh, you know, uh, expressing our voice or our feelings or our perspective about that. But when it comes to our nation and the situations around that, unless you're engaged, you have no right to a voice. Christians who don't engage in politics, and the reason I'm saying this, is that in the last several elections, almost 60% of the church has been disengaged. Last year, 54 million people who declared to be Christians did not vote. And so by Christians not voting, you're saying it's all right with the world educating your children and your grandchildren any way they want. It's all right for the world to set the standard for your lifestyle any way they want. So if you don't like what's going on in the systems of our government, and you don't exercise your vote and your voice, then you need to just shut up. Amen? So I'll I'll try to be politically correct. All right. So anyway... So Isaiah, uh, excuse me, so look at the cover of your outline. If we think like God thinks, then we live like God lives. If you think like he thinks, we live like God lives. People want God's ways, but not God's thoughts. Well, let me put you like this. We want the blessings of the Lord. We just don't want to have to do what the Lord says. God could I have the stuff without doing anything. And so we hear a question all the time, why can't I keep my ways and my thoughts and live like God? Because they're incompatible. Your ways, your thoughts are not my thoughts. It it doesn't work that way. So that's why Paul told us we need to renew our mind. You see, the God of issues has always been a voice, has always had a voice in the earth to speak to the issues of the day, be it prophet, priest, or king. Today our candidates for election try to speak to the issues that we face as a nation. They say that they speak to the things that concern our prosperity and quality of life both for today and for our future but God's voice has always spoken to the issues of the day and our future the difference lies between the issues of man and the issues of God there is still a need for the prophetic voice of his word in the earth today through the mouth of his servants and so one reason our nation is in the state that it is in is because the church gave up her voice. And we were told to pull back and not to speak to the issues of the day, not to do different things and not to address the issue. Don't create any waves. Don't cause a stir. Just, j- just be nice and walk in love towards everybody while you're being overrun by evil. And so we've given that up. And so now suddenly, through this pandemic, the church became aware, hey, they're not playing fair. <laughs> and the reason they're not playing fair is because you've let them make the rules. Yeah. And so you have to have a voice. Are you doing all right? Yeah. You have to have a voice and, and do that. So go with me to Psalms 33 if you're there. i want to begin in verse 8. I want to read all the way through the end of the chapter. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood still. The Lord brings the counsel of nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Verse 12, key verse. Blessed is the nation. See, we are one nation under God. That's the declaration of our founding father. That we would be one nation under God. That that, that we would submit to the sovereign rulership of God's word. His standard, His principles for our life. And so, here it says that... that, uh, So so watch this... uh, uh, Verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen as his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven and sees all the sons of men from the place of his habitation. He looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. So how many see this? This isn't just about Israel. This is talking to all the nations of the world. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all Their works. Verse 16 No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is in vain, is a vain hope for safety, neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our hearts shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O oh Lord, be upon us, just as we hope in you. Amen? Amen. And so we are. And, and Proverbs says it like this. It says, Proverbs fourteen thirty-four in the New King James says, A righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The Living Bible says it like this: New Living Translation. Godliness makes a nation great, but sin is a disgrace to any people. The Message Bible says, "God devotion makes a country strong." I like that. God devotion makes a country strong. Guide avoidance leaves people weak. And so it's important that God has a voice in the earth. How many know these are great promises unto the all people of all nations of the whole world. God wants good for all people. But the only way God can declare his will is through the voice of his people. You are God's voice in the earth. Amen. And so we have to walk in agreement with this. And then again, uh, oh, going in the right direction. Where am I going? There we are. So it's important that we do this. It's important that we put God first in our lives. If you put God first and the rest is blessed. Amen? Amen? So that's what we want. So look at your outline here. Go with me to Mark chapter 1 in your Bibles. And let's just talk about what happens, how God works. Mark chapter 1. And I want to cover all this so I'll try and not chase too many rabbits today. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Sometimes when you stand up for truth, that's what you're going to feel like, a voice in the wilderness. Verse 4, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching the baptism of What? repentance for the remission of sins, and all the land of Judea and those of Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sin. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. I'm having those for lunch. And he prepared, and he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to stoop down and lose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy spirit so John was a proclaimer of what God's plan was and his purpose was in the earth a preparer of God's purpose coming to pass so here's my question John chapter 1 verses 6 through 11 gives you the same account but I want you to look at your outline with me John was a voice for God's people to prepare the way for his coming so the question is do we still need a voice like John's today but what we don't want to do, we think, yeah, somebody should be doing that. Somebody, else, that, that. somebody should be standing up and speaking. You might be that body. We always want somebody else to do it. And so if we're always looking for somebody else to do it, how many know nobody does it? So it's important that we do our part. Is, let me ask this question. Is the cry of repentance and preparation still a valid call today? Absolutely. Are we a people in a nation who have come to a place where we need no voice except our own? And that's really the declaration of our culture today. I need no voice speaking into my life except my own. Here's my question I ask people a lot of time. We get in trouble. When you get in trouble, this is the question I will ask you. Well, who are you allowing to speak into your life? Who has the right Who do you give the right to, to speak into your life and to challenge your thought process? Well, you can give me some advice, just don't tell me what to do. (laughs) Pastor Casey used to say this, Casey Treat, he he has this statement about mentors. People say, well, I, I need somebody to mentor me. Well, let me put you like this. Friends like you the way you are. And they'll never challenge you. Mentors like you too much to leave you the way you are. So a mentor will say to you, why do you do that? That's stupid. That's self-destructive. You're harming yourself. So who do you have in your life? Every one of you needs to hear this this morning. Who can speak into your life like that? Who do you give access to bring words of instruction into your life? Who do you check your thoughts with? Who do you get confirmation from? Do you process on a peer level or do you process up? Wisdom always leads you to process up, not to process on a peer level. Are you doing all right? And so we need that voice today in our life. But our nation is telling us just what I wrote down here. We are a nation who has come to the place where we need no voice except our own. Don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me that. I'm my own person. I make my own choice. Okay, run with that. Praise the Lord. But look at this next statement. I believe that man is still hiding from the voice that exposes the nakedness caused by his choice. Today, man is running from the voice of God because when God's voice shows up, it exposes the nakedness we are in made by the choices we have made. Doing all right? All right, so look inside your outline this morning. So elections take the spiritual temperature of our nation. And really, if you would read the book of Revelation, in chapters 2 and chapter 3, there's seven churches, and there's a word to the seven churches, and we like to isolate that. We like to make those church to do whatever. I, I believe it's seven conditions that can be found all the time, and we need to defend ourselves against all those seven issues that are brought up there. Being the loveless church all the way down to the lukewarm church. I mean, no, God doesn't want us lukewarm. You, you know what a lukewarm citizen of the United States is? A person who has no opinion either way. People just want to be in the middle of the road. You know, I really don't want to make an end. Dude, you're just lukewarm. That's nothing. Are you doing all right? Amen. And so God wants us to be hot or cold. Either be totally indifferent, or bless God, get in and fight to make a change. Amen. But don't just try and be in the middle. Because how many know? How many have ever tried to make everybody happy? How'd that work out? How I many end up with nobody happy and then they're mad at you for trying to make everybody happy? Yeah. Okay. So elections take the spiritual temperament of a church. Re- it's revealed in what we vote for and what we vote against. I'm put you like this. If you don't vote for uh, opposed to something, if you're not opposed to things enough to vote, then you're voting for whatever gets in. A no vote is a yes vote for the things you disagree with. A non-vote, I should say. Are you doing all right? So, also, what we define or redefine is our rights. We do that through voting. Think about all the things that we deal with. We have parental, uh, parental rights. We have personal rights. What are our personal rights? Every alphabet group you can think of. Think of all the groups defined by letters. we got the ACLU. we got the BLM. We've we, we got the, the, the uh, LBGTQ ad infinitum. Every week they add another letter. (laughs) Amen. So so you have all the issues. Are you with me? All all the different things that are there that are all connected to personal rights. We have children's rights. We have women's rights. We have animal rights. We have environmental rights. And it just goes on and on and on moving forward. See, what happens is, is that the world wants a separation from the voice of truth. The world wants no truth spoken into its choices. The state has always been separate from the church, but the church was never to be separate from the state. Our founding fathers did not establish this nation for the church to be shoved off in a dark corner and have no voice about what happens in the governing of our nation. That was never their intention. What Thomas Jefferson wrote in his letter to the the Congress of Baptist Churches was, the the state has no right to tell you what to do. The state has no right being involved in worship. You have the freedom of worship. The state has no right to regulate your worship and your freedom of worship. The church has every right to be involved because every member in the body of Christ, every believer is a full citizen of the United States. And you have a voice in the governing of your nation. Are you doing all right? And so that's the intent. God's people have always had a voice in their government. God has always strategically placed people in positions of influence in government as his voice and for the protection of the people. I'm thankful for the godly leaders that we have that are in government. Amen. But there's been a taboo that's been placed on that. Young people, go into serving God in politics. Go into community service. Get involved no matter where you're at. Get involved in the process. Run for the school board. Run for counselor. Become a supervisor. Get involved in governing our nation. Amen. Either that or let everybody else decide how it goes. Think about it. The issue is the principle, not the person. So what we're in right now and what you're hearing, if you're watching any debate based upon political issues, the liberal side will always make it about a person. And if you don't go with the issue or the right, you're against that person either being in love or being able to make a choice for their own health care. You're against a person. You're attacking a person. It's not about a person. It's about truth. And about principle, you can stand for principle without having anything to do with attacking a person. But the moment you make it a person now, you make that, that the, the, the person who's standing against that a bad person because you don't want people to be in love. You don't want people to have freedom. You're, you're attacking, so it becomes a personal issue. So people get pushed back because they're being told they're bad for attacking people. I'm not attacking anybody. I'm standing for the truth. You can do whatever you want, make whatever choice you want, love whatever you want, be involved with whatever you want. But don't tell me I have to give up my stance on truth and be a voice for the truth because of your choice. Yes. We're doing all right. Yes. Amen. So sometimes things just have to be said. Amen. Yes. So that's what we're trying to do today. So God, because truth is not personal, it is universal. Truth is not about a person, it's universal foundation for life. It applies to everyone everywhere in every age and in every nation. The thing that makes truth true is that it's always true. That's a heavy revelation right there, isn't it? Truth is true. But truth is more than a choice. Truth is more than just a choice, truth is a voice. Truth is a voice. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 6. He says, the words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And so truth is a voice. It is a declaration. Are you with me? And so in that. Our world says, don't judge my choice. Accept my lifestyle, my choices, but don't judge only love. Well, speaking the truth doesn't mean I don't love you. It really means I do love you. Amen. Because truth speaks correction for safety, for protection. That's why the Bible says a parent who does not discipline his child does not love them and treats them as an illegitimate child. An undisciplined child by a parent is a mark of illegitimacy by the parent. So Proverbs says, I was going to say the word that the King James actually said, but I won't. Amen? You still love me this morning? So watch this. So, love is not blind or void of expression of the voice of truth. You need to understand that I am not a judge, but I am a voice of truth. I'm not a judge, I am a voice of truth. And if the truth spoken makes you feel uncomfortable, it's not that we're against you, it's just a declaration of truth. We didn't judge you what was spoken did. Are you doing all right? That's so why if you just, we, we talked about it yesterday with the men in, in, in Ephesians. In fact, let me just pause right here. Let's go there real quick. Just go to Ephesians chapter 4. I just want to read this one verse. You have to go quick because it's an interruption. It's an, not a, an interjection. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. having their, Verse 18. Having their understanding darkened. Being alienated from the life of God. Because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the hardening of their heart. Yep. So anytime we harden our heart to the truth. So let me put you like this. I can speak the truth of God's word to you. And make you uncomfortable. But just speaking the truth. Isn't because I don't love you. I'm just declaring that. Are you with me? So I love you enough to preach you the whole counsel of God's word. But here's what happens. That if I harden my heart to that, if I shut myself up and harden my heart, read verse 18 backwards with me. If I harden my heart to the truth of God's word, look what happens. Then I'm declaring that I prefer ignorance, that I choose to be alienated from the life of God and live with my understanding being darkened. How many know that's not good? So I prefer to read that verse forward and avoid it. Versus read it backwards and live in it. Amen? So watch this. So let me give you this. Sin affects a nation, a family, and a church. So in this area, what's my thing Here we go. All right. Where did three, four, and five go? Where we go? There we are. One nation only got three, four, five. Put God first. All right. Anyway. I'm trying to follow my own PowerPoint, and I'm lost. So watch this. So sin affects a nation. I'm going to get into it. God is the only one. If you look at Joshua chapter 7, look what happened. One man. So we think, here's what we think. My choice doesn't affect anybody else. Have you have heard that? Yeah. It's my choice. It doesn't affect anybody else. That's what Achan thought. Yeah. The nation of Israel went in, took Jericho, fought it. One man out of the whole nation. Brought some stuff out of Jericho that God said, don't touch it. Everything in Jericho is mine. Jericho was the first fruits of the land. First fruits always belong to God. It's mine. It's holy to the Lord. This is the first of the land. This belongs to me. Achan took some some clothing, some silver, some gold, some trinkets and stuff, hid it in his tent. The next time the the nation nation went to battle against Ai, 3,000 people died. Because of one man's choice. I'll take, take it back to uh, uh, 300, somewhere in there. 3,000 went out against They thought they could do it. And I think 300 died. And, 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 and Joshua came back and he said, hey, God, what happened? We just destroyed Jericho. We go out against this little city and we get whooped and people die. God said, it's because there's sin in the camp. It's because there's sin in the camp. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth like this. And he said, You have a young man having sexual relations with his stepmother and a reproach against the church. You need to deal with that because it's causing, it's bringing reproach upon you as a body. That sin in your midst is causing reproach upon, it affects all of you. We are the body, we are jointly framed and fit together. So that means whatever you take into your mouth affects every, it it gets disseminated through your whole body, affects every organ. We are jointly framed and fit together as the body of Christ. What one member does affects the whole body. People say, well, it doesn't matter to me whether I come, whether I go, do all that. That's been a perpetuated lie by the devil. Amen? And so it works that way corporately. It works that way for a nation. It works that way for a church. It works that way in every area and in a family. Are you doing all right? So think about it. God is the only one. Who can define what is right in his presence. God was before and we came forth from God. To live in an unnatural way. With an unnatural views. And still say I worship God. The same God of you. Is to change his nature. To conform to yours. So we hear that today. I I have different style. I have different lifestyle. I have all of this. But I, I worship the same God you do. I don't think so because God is a voice of truth. God doesn't change his nature to conform to our choices. Are you listening to me? God does not change his nature to conform to the choices of humanity in any age, in any generation, in any nation. Not just America. This isn't an America issue. That's why I read Psalm 33. This is a world issue. Amen. So watch this. So we cannot have a definition of truth and right that redefines his. And that's what we're trying to do today. And even the church is trying to do that. Because the church doesn't want to make any, doesn't want to offend anybody. Well, then quit reading the Bible. Just read readers' digest stories. Because just reading God's word offends people when we're not in line with it. God's Word always calls us into alignment with Him to live in agreement with His declared purpose and plan for our lives. Jesus said that, if you love me, keep my commandments. I mean, no, commandments aren't suggestions. They're commandments. So think about that. So here we are today. There's two types of teaching needed. This is where we are. We need direct impact teaching, addressing current events in light of today's needs, opinions, and desires. That's part of what I'm doing here today. We need some direct impact. Amen? But then we need long-term impact teaching, addressing current events in light of their impact on our future and not just our present. So both of those are are, are needed ingredients In teaching and understanding. So let me give you some definitions this morning. A lot of people, well, I just wonder how Jesus would vote. (laughs) Amen. Well, let me give you a couple definitions. They're here in your outline, and then we'll break some things down. Politics. What is politics? It is the science of government. The process of influencing and establishing policies to govern people. The total complex of relations between people and society. It's important how we interact in society. Amen? To have civility. Are you doing right? And common good towards others. It is good, although often negative in our world today, but we still need it. We need the body politic. We, We need it. We need a system of governance. So now let's define, what is a democracy? We hear that a lot. We we, we hear, oh, we want to protect our democracy. Well, first let me help you. We are not a democracy. We are a republic. Okay? So, But democracy is a viewpoint of government. Democracy means government by the people. The rule of the majority in which the supreme power is vested in the people and exercised by them either directly or indirectly, through a system of representation, usually involving periodically held elections. But think about this, when it comes to a democracy, Webster defines democracy as a non-discriminative source of rule. That there should be no discrimination in ruling in a democracy. It literally means the absence of hereditary or arbitrary class distinctions or privileges. That there's no hierarchy or anything else. And so, in, in a pure democracy, there would be equity. You doing all right? There would be equity. But here's the problem because it is the majority, if America ever ceases to be more than 50% Christian, democracy will fail. Because only Christianity believes in equity for all people. Only Christianity believes. In the absence of hereditary or an arbitrary class distinctions of privilege, only Christianity believes that we are all equal and all one in Christ. And we don't distinguish. Amen? So what is a republic? A republic is government in which supreme power is held by people, entitling them to vote. Elected officers and representatives with the chief of state, usually a president, Never a monarch or a king. I hear a lot about that today, about our president wanting to be a monarch or a king. So let's look at this. Look at this next one up here, guys. Put this next slide up. So here's the two together. Democratic is this. Democratic and republic. So when it comes to a vote for change, it's majority-based decisions versus constitution-based decisions. What about an economic system in the two? It is national sovereignty versus individual sovereignty. What about social structure? No constraint on the government. Whereas in a republic, you place constraints upon the government. You say to the government, stop, you can go no farther than that. No more intrusion into our life. In a republic. In a democratic-led society, the government can come all the way in. That's where we're hearing today. People are going to tell you how they're going to enter into your life. We have right here in California, our, our governor telling us that you can only have three families at your house. And you have to meet outside unless somebody has to go pee. And then they can go in your house to use your bathroom. But then they have to come back outside. Amen. So now what so so what so but but the democratic mindset listen a democracy versus a republic a democracy says and democratic rule says we can we can intrude as far as we want to into your life a republic sets limits on the intrusion into personal life Are you doing all right That's why our founding fathers set us up as a republic So let's look at the difference between Republican and, well, let me see if I got one. Oh, yeah. Let's look at the difference between a Republican and a Democrat. In your outline, it says a general definition. This is the general definition of of a Republican. It means to keep government generally small, allowing commerce to regulate and to control itself. You ever notice that if the government just gets out of our way, our economy does great. If you just let people do and conduct business and do commerce, we do great as a nation. Amen. Amen. And we generate revenue. Thirdly, leaving assets in the hands of the people, you get to keep what you make. That's a Republican view. Fourthly, to maintain a generally conservative moral value system for the country. The Republican Party traces its origin in, in, to the anti-slavery national forces that united in 1850s. And we don't hear this, but it was the Republican Party that voted to abolish slavery without one Democratic vote. They ran its first president as John C. Freeman in 1856, elected their first president, Abraham Lincoln, in 1860, was the dominant political party from 1860 to 1932. Beginning in the 20th century, it became the party advocating less government and a laissez-faire policy. Let life flow. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. So democratic is this, a general definitions, not their platform. We're not talking about platform issues. We know what the issues are. But generally, it means providing sufficient government to meet the physical, social needs of the people, which is why Democrats always are are promoting subsidy programs. We're going to give you money. We're going to give you free school. We're going to provide this. We're going to provide that. We're going to provide this. We're going to provide that. We're going to provide you education. We're going to provide you health care. We're going to provide you this. Just get out of my way and let me make a living. I'll pay for my own life. Are you doing all right? All right. But their view is, this is what we do, is that providing sufficient government to meet the physical and social needs of the people. The belief that it is their responsibility to meet the needs, their, these needs rather than leaving the assets with the people. So, secondly, to regulate commerce to keep balance in economic equity for the people. The belief that it is their job Their job is to take the poor and lift them up and take the rich and bring them down. Amen. That's what you're hearing on the left says, we are going to attack the rich and give it to the poor. They are the party of a phony Robin Hood. We will take from the rich and give to the poor. Are you with me? But government, our nation was never meant to be, we, we, we were never meant to be Democratic and Republican. Or democracy and republic. We were just meant to be republic. Now you can have different views and you can have parties in that. Are you listening to me? You can have parties, but democracy and republic are two different forms of government. That's what I want you to see here. The reason I'm bringing this because most people don't understand that. So when you're voting for democracy, which is the foundation of the Democratic Party, this is what you're voting. You're voting for government running your life, not you. You're voting for government, handling your finances, not you. You're voting for government, making your choices, not you. You're voting for government, tell you when, where, how to live and conduct your life, not yourself. That's what democracy does. Are you doing all right? And then, nextly, number four, they provide legal rights and protection for all value systems and lifestyles and choices. And to force their acceptance. So once they regulate that, then they force compliance. So you look at all the, the, the employment law, equal opportunity, employment, all these areas of that for lifestyle choices, which is forced compliance. Are you doing all right? Yeah. So why is it important for a Christian to be involved? These are some of the reasons. Rather than promote a conservative moral opinion, they would promote all values and lifestyles and choices as equal and all moral. Everything's equal. Nothing is immoral. Everything is moral. Everything is just okay because it is my choice. And if you don't like my choice, then you are hurt. You're against me. No, I'm just for truth. Are you doing all right? And, and truth doesn't say I'm for principles and for truth and for God's issues. Amen? So what does that mean? So the Democratic Party traces its origin to Thomas Jefferson's Republican Party, which evolved to the Democratic Republican Party. Adopted the name Democrats in 1828 under Andrew Jackson. Originally was the party championing Interest of farmers in advocating limiting the power of national government and protecting states' rights. In the 20th century, became the more liberal party advocating an activist government to tackle the nation's problems. Was the dominant political party from 1828 to 1860 and again from 1932 to 1968. Republican versus Democrat. Two key differences. Republican. A Republican is someone who favors or supports the principles of the republic. A Democrat is someone who favors the principles of the democracy, thus believes in the power of the majority. A Republican believes in economic equity. A Democrat believes in class equity. Doing alright? Democrats versus Republican. The Democrat and Republican Party are the biggest in America. We have the the, 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 uh, uh, Libertarians and some other, the Green Parties and others in that. But the Democratic Party are the two biggest, but they differ significantly in ideals and philosophy. Democrats believe the government should have more active role in society because this will help society grow and achieve its goals, also lead to equity and a higher quality of life. Republicans support the idea that the government should be small. It should employ a small number of people, and it should, should, should not play such a big role in society. Let me tell you where we are today in that. Almost 53% of jobs in America are government jobs. So we're at a tipping point where more people are employed by the government, by the state, than they are by the free market. And once you get to there, you're at the tipping point of going downhill. Because all those people employed by government are paid by the minority who's not employed by the government. Government does not have money. Government has no money. I love everybody says, I'm going to move to a state that has no taxes. How do they pay for what they have? Government has no money. They may not tax this issue or that issue, but they have revenue coming in from somewhere. They don't pave roads for free. Government has no money. They operate off of taxes. Taxes comes from whose money? Ours. Amen. My name is Don. I'm running for president this year. No, not really. <laughs> but in that, if it, but people act like they, they think the government just has all this money. The only money government has is every, every idea they are grabbing their pen and your checkbook. Every time they come up with an idea and a declaration on either party telling you what they're going to do, they're telling you what you're getting ready to pay for. When you listen to them, I, I heard uh, uh, Vice President Biden say, this is what we're going to do. We're, we're going we're to start a $2 trillion green package. $2 trillion? You don't have $2 trillion. Where are you getting that? Oh, the people will gladly give us $2 trillion. I don't think so. Are you doing all right? So think about it. So there we are. So here's the difference. So here's another difference: Republicans versus Democrats. What about when it comes to same-sex marriage? One is for, one is against. What about when it comes to gun control? One is for, one is against. What about for Obamacare or? Uh, uh, Medicare for all or health care for all. One is for, one is again. What about protection of the unborn for the the right to life for every conceived child in the womb? One is for, one is again. Right now, there's a push to to, uh, make the 14th Amendment cover a, a child in the womb. Amen. So... On the Republicans, what about school prayer? One is for, one is against. What about a balanced budget? One is for, one is against. What about extending taxes? One is for, tax cuts. One is for, one is against. What did uh, Vice President Biden say? As soon as I get in, I'm going to repeal the tax cuts. We raise everything back up. We're, g- we're going to take uh, uh, more money off. The- this is what they do. You say we talked about retirement earlier. We're going to take your retirement, and you've been saving for for your retirement, and we're going to tax the dividends you've made on your retirement. You already paid taxes on it. You already paid in everything. else. and now we're going to tax the interest that you made off of your investment for why saving because you have no right to make money. We need to use your money to do what we want to do. So you've saved too much money. You've made too much money. You've been too good of a steward. So, in that area. So, I would vote for tax cuts myself. And one is for domestic oil exploration and drilling and all that stuff. And one is, again, meaning being energy dependent. So, look at this. Look at your outline. What does the Bible say about politics? say, Pastor, that's a lot of political stuff. Yeah, it is. But that's where you live. You live in a nation where this is going on. And I'll just put it to you real blunt. If, this is not about supporting a person. Um, number one, I'm not accountable for a person's personal behavior they are. What I want to do is see what your job performance is. If you're doing your job and what you're getting paid for, that's fine. But how many know there's a lot of people that work for a lot of companies that probably should amend their personal behavior? And so when it comes to our president... There's a lot of areas that he could amend his personal behavior. But I'm not going to fire him because he's doing a good job. If you really look at his accomplishment. If you'll ever notice there's one thing that you don't hear against the president, when he speaks of his accomplishments. they don't rebut that. They move to another subject. He says, these are the things I've accomplished in the first three and a half years. When he's speaking about job performance and accomplishment, he doesn't get any kickback on that. They want to move to something else that they can shift. It's kind of like when it comes to debates with that, with the Liberal Party, they always want you to be talking about something, and they always want to shift your attention. Hey, look at that. Hey, look at that fire truck. So they always want to shift your attention, the focus off of the issue. Are you doing all right? So when it comes to our president, I don't want to fire him for doing a great job. But I know this, if the other person gets elected... And voted in. What they're planning to do. People who don't like California. I'll tell you what. All of America will become worse than California. Because their agenda is to transform the nation. Not just a state. To transform the nation. Into the most liberal. Democratic. Government run society. On the face of the earth. That's the agenda. That's what this election is about. And that's why I say. This is the most important election. Really I agree with what's being said. I believe this is the most important election. That our nation has faced since its founding. Because this election will determine our future, whether we have one or not. Amen. And if you look at it, if you listen to what's being said and uh, about even in confirming the last Supre- this Amy Coney Barrett, think about that, what's being said, because what they're saying is, hey, this means that we won't be able to promote our agenda much further through the courts. We won't be able to use the courts anymore to legislate, to judicially legislate our moral agenda. We can't get it past the people in a vote, but we can legislate it through the court. That's not what the courts are for. Are you with me? That's the other thing. Do you know that President Trump has appointed over 300, almost, right now, almost 300 conservative federal judges? Nobody's ever done that. And so, like I say, I, 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 there's a lot of things in his... I, I'm kind of like, I identify a lot with that guy. I get in trouble for what I say all the time. Amen? So, with that. So, w- let's go back to that. Are you doing all right? Can I have a couple more minutes? So, what does the Bible say about politics? Proverbs 19.1, man plans, but the purposes of the Lord will stand. Proverbs 18.15, God says, by me kings reign." Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. God's in control of everything, guys. Romans 13 tells us how to respond to authority, how to walk and be submitted to authority. As Christians, you're supposed to be submitted to authority. I, I like what Pastor Brian Hawkins said when he was here. He said, I, I, as, as an African-American man, I've never had any conflict with law enforcement that didn't come about as a result of my choices. Amen. I've never been pulled over for driving the speed limit. I've never had any conflict with law enforcement, any of us, that hasn't in, been instigated by a choice in that. And so how we do it? So what do we do? We submit But you also declare the truth and stand for the truth. I can be submitted to authority and still declare the truth and stand for the truth. That's what I'm doing today. I'm declaring the truth and I'm standing for the truth. There are people that have said that as a pastor, I can't be speaking like this today. That's because there was a, a terrible amendment passed by Lyndon Johnson in 1954 in the election. He was afraid he was going to lose the, lose the election, so he went back into the Senate and he passed a law trying to restrict nonprofits from having a voice in the political system where they would lose their nonprofit status. And as for people who were donated to contributions, it was never meant to impact the church, but it got used by government just the same way they manipulated and used. Um, the the, the separation of church and state in Jefferson's letter. Are you doing all right? And so in that. But in the history since 1954, do you know there's only one church, even with that Johnson Amendment, only one church since 1954 ever lost their tax-exempt status. But it's not about not being able to speak, but we're told that. So we just believe what they're told without ever reading what it says. So we have a right to do Do you know the church could actually give 5% of our total general budget? We can give to, support, to lobby and support issues. We, we can lobby and give money to support issues. The one thing we can't do as a church, as a body, is support an individual candidate. That's the one thing they say we can. But it doesn't mean we can't talk about the body and politics in life. Are you doing all right? But pastors have been told and church have been told. So that's why I say the church has given up its voice. And that's why people say, "Oh, you're talking about politics and church." Are you going to talk about it the moment you walk out this door? People are going to be talking about it. Are you doing all right? So I'm just trying to give you some things to talk about this afternoon. Amen. <laughs> I'm your friend. So, declare and stand for the truth. Rightly discern the balance between obeying God and obeying man. Know how to obey God. Know how to obey man. Look what Daniel did. Daniel walked in integrity. Be a Daniel in your day. The three Hebrew children. What did they say? Hey, I'm sorry. We are not bowing down. What is the church? What, what are we having to say today? A virus is being used. A, 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 a medical situation has been weaponized to control a people. And is a political campaign to take down a president. It's been weaponized and it's been used to silence a conservative voice in all this area. And so people are going to have to stand. Hey, you know what? We're going to take a stand. The three Hebrew children said, "Hey, whether you throw us in the fire or whether you don't, dude, we're not bowing." And so, you're in a day we have to make the choice not to bow. What did Peter and John say? Peter and John actually said they were told, "Don't preach in the name of Jesus." Look, we're told you can come here and pray, and do this. just don't say Jesus when you pray. Say God. Almighty Creator, just don't say, Jesus. Well, I'm sorry. Whether it's right to obey you or God, you judge. As for us, we cannot but speak and declare the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So you have to take that stand. Peter says this. Peter says, submit to every, and, and so read these verses, Peter and, and Roman. Submit to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. So the question, can we submit and still address issues? Absolutely. Take the responsibility to know your right and to exercise the use of your right. We, we, we printed these up. Cecil and, and, and the folks in the, in the Republican Party here in committee here in uh, uh, Elrada County have put this together on the issues on the ballot. There's some important issues on here. If, if you don't vote right on, uh, I, I believe it is Prop 16, uh, uh, no, uh, Prop 15 on taxes, then they're repealing Prop 13 and property taxes. They they're say they're going to they're institute rent control, and they say they're doing it on business, but they're actually going to change all of our ho- homeowners' property tax. So you need to know how to vote. So what happened? You know why we have such high gas taxes? Because people weren't smart enough to read the ballot to know that no was yes and yes was no. So they voted in a huge tax increase. When the Bible says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, we brought up the men's breakfast. But the second part of that is because you have rejected knowledge. So when we just stick our head in the sand and we don't study and we're not aware of the fact, we mess up. So we put some things in your hands to help you. Amen. So responsibility to know. If evil can be promoted through the system, so can good and righteousness. What happened with Joseph? What happened with Esther? What happened with Nehemiah? What happened with Daniel? God raised up some of those today. Amen? Amen. So, now let me just say this to you again. This is what you need to understand. What are we seeing on our streets? What are we seeing on our streets? This is what you're seeing on our streets. You're seeing the manifestation of the education of a generation. You're seeing pe- people who have given up the education of their own children, sent them off to government schools and allowed them to be indoctrinated by the mindset of this world. That's why every liberal uh, uh, agenda and every liberal program and part wants to get into the school system. They want to teach children so when they become adults they can rebel and go in the direction. It's called identity, value, and direction. They want to shape their identity and give them their values so they will go in the direction they want them to go. Amen. So watch this. Here we are. Issues facing our nation in this election. We're talking about God and here we are. Put them up, guys. We the people. That's who we are. We the people. So what are the issues? God is the only one who can define what is right in his presence, his people, his nation, and his church, not the government. Amen? Where'd it go? Oh, man, I didn't say. Okay, I was going to put those in. That's all right. Here, I'm going to go back to this one. Let me look at this one. I skipped this one. A democracy is nothing more than mob rule where 51% can take away the rights of the other 49%. That's what Thomas Jefferson said. Whereas a republic is government of laws. A A democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes itself, exhausts and murders itself because there was never a democracy that didn't commit suicide. That's what our nation is doing. What's being happening right now? You know what you're hearing? You're hearing the, the removal of the electoral college. Our, our, our founders were so wise in establishing the electoral college because they knew there would be a time when the population could be swayed to go one way. And so what do we have? We have very small populated areas. We have probably five states that have the majority of the population of our nation. Those five states could determine the, rest of the, the direction that the rest of the nation goes and take away a voice from the other 45 states. Just through the popular vote. So it doesn't matter who wins the popular vote. It matters who wins the nation's vote. And every state, what they set it up. So every state would always have an equal voice. Amen? And so that's the area that is there. So watch this. God is the only one. Today, we're facing financial, social, and health, safety, educational, moral issues on a greater scale than ever before. The direction we go in in our election determines the course of our nation. Watch this. Yeah. The direction we go in as our nation determines the course of our nation and the land we live in and the homes we raise our families in. Our welfare as a nation and the church is both corporate and individuals. It's impacted by those we elect to exercise power and rule in our nation. Think about that. Here, our welfare as a nation and the church is both corporate and individual. We think I just live my own individual life. You live in a corporate system, in a nation, and as a church. You doing all right? Okay. It's imperative that the church never give up her voice of truth and her vote. The greatest use of our voice is first in prayer. We should be a praying people. We need to come back to a place of prayer. Amen. I'll just tell you as your pastor, and I'll just be real honest and real polite. It's pretty sad on once a month we have Sunday night prayer, and less than a fourth of our people come out to pray for one hour on a Sunday night once a month. You're giving up your voice. The corporate voice. When God's people come together. There's power in corporate unity and prayer. Amen? So that happened. Watch this. So we don't want to give that up. We need to understand this. You cannot legislate freedom through choice. Without depriving others of theirs. We're being told that we're going to legislate freedom. And legislate right. You can't legislate a freedom. Without taking away somebody else's freedom. Freedom of choice doesn't mean you get to legislate your choice and impose it upon other people. That's what's happening. People are making choices, and now I'm imposing my choice of how I want to live upon you to accept that and to change your lifestyle to conform to my choice. That's no longer freedom. Amen? So what do we do? You defend freedom. You don't legislate freedom. You defend freedom based on truth and morality. Freedom is based on God's truth and his moral concepts and precepts. And as a nation, we stand to defend that. Why do we go into other nations? Why do we do what we do? Because when we see the moral injustice against people, we go to defend freedom based upon morality and truth. Amen?